0: Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Can we go ahead and get all of this stuff? She said, you're wasting your money. You don't need all of this stuff. I said, but I want to do this for my dad. So I did. Got a phone call. The house had, look at me now had $100,000 worth of liens against that house. She did not even know that. She had signed off on another note with her brother who did not pay taxes, and so then the government put a lien on that house. She was so horrified. She said, you know what? I will satisfy that lien and show you that I'll stand with that. I'm going to let you live in this house rent-free for an entire year until I... You can stay in this house until I can get that thing satisfied, and I won't charge you to do that. I called my dad and I said, Dad, could I come over? (laughs) There are times that you've got to listen to the reproofs of others. My dad really was reproving me. Son, if you don't do this, you're a fool. Son, if you do this, you'll be a fool. It's hard to listen to someone who's older than you been around the bar maybe a little bit more when you're so young and this is such a good deal and everything seemed right mean, when you really look at everything I shared with you who wouldn't have just gone ahead with a deal like that I can't explain it I'm not saying my dad is God I'm saying the principle of getting wise counsel and not being stubborn is so a teachable person so we have a person over here who is discerning you add more in your bucket when you are when you're teachable when someone can come alongside you and kind of show you the ropes and you listen to them and these are people that you trust godly wise people especially those that are in your sphere of family spiritual people perhaps you're adding more each time you're doing this you're filling up your savings bucket let's go to the next point laziness laziness why am I short of money laziness go to the ant, you sluggard Whoo, that's tough Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, you sluggard? Will you arise from your sleep? Get up, quit taking so many naps. Quit staying up so late, sleeping so long in the morning. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. In other words, it's going to be like someone holds you up. Proverbs 11, 6. And then it goes on in Proverbs 20. It says, Do not love sleep or you'll become poor. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with food. Wake up. And then Proverbs 26, it says... The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a lion in the open square, implying I can't go out into the city, there are lions out there. I'm afraid, I don't want to get eaten, and that's logical. I don't want to be eaten by any lion either. Who wants to be that? The problem with that is that that lions don't live in the square, they live in jungles or cages. So in other words, he was prefabricating in his own mind a problem that wasn't real, but it kind of satisfied him, so he was lazy by creating a a non-need. As the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The sluggard bruises his hand in the dish, buries his hand in the dish. He is weary of bringing it to his mouth again. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. You ever talk to a lazy person? Why don't we go do this? I can't do that. And he goes to a... All these reasons that sound pretty reasonable to him, but when you step away from them, they don't make a bit of sense. You'll always find lazy people can come up with the greater reasons for not to do something. There are more lazy people out of a job because they're looking for a career first before they look for a job. Did you catch that? They want a career before they want a job. Sometimes you just got to get the job. So what's the answer? A diligent person applies concentration and effort to assign tasks. Now, what's not in your notes, you can write in your margin. First of all, you have to be willing to work. Secondly, you have to be willing to work longer hours. And thirdly, you have to be willing to take on more jobs. A phrase I'll use is called multiple streams of income. If you are short of money, be willing to work. Work longer hours. Take on a few extra jobs. Now, watch. I'm giving you a loaded gun, and I want to remind you of that. There are some that you tell them that and they want to work more and they want to work longer. They want to get more jobs so they have more money so then they spend that more money to get more in debt so now they've got to work harder and longer and more. Oh, I'm still in debt and all of a sudden they're drowning in all of this work and they kind of explode through burnout and everything else because they haven't learned the purpose of doing all of that is to get out of debt and to simplify your life so you can now do the things that you really need to do and not keep, continue with all of this. So that's our point. So back over here again. We talk about being diligent. Being diligent. Some people just don't have money because they're lazy. I don't know how many times we've offered to help people. Would you do this? Would you do that? I don't want to do that. It's too hard. It's too hot. They don't pay enough. And they come up with all sorts of reasons. The next one is is um, stubbornness. Very similar to... Uh, I mean, not laziness. I'm sorry. I'm a little behind here. Um, indulgence. Indulgence. Sometimes we don't have enough money because um, we buy too much. It says, listen, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. So in other words, you be around these people. Eventually, they're going to burn out themselves. So be careful that you don't become indulgent. So you don't need more clothes, more bling, more expensive vacations or whatever else. You don't need to upsize your car either sometimes. Sometimes an old-fashioned beach car that gets you back and forth safely is all you need for the time being. The answer to that is a thrifty person, a person who practices economy, personal discipline, and good management so we add some more into our bank of bucks over here our saving is just be a little bit thrifty don't keep upsizing we kind of talked about that already just a couple more here and we'll be done the last one in this particular list is a pretty serious one now this is called craftiness sometimes we don't have money because we've been crafty crafty means that we haven't been totally honest it says wealth obtained by fraud dwindles But with one who gathers by labor, it increases. So fraud dwindles, labor increases. Proverbs 21.6 says, The acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. So you've got fraud, and you've got a lying tongue. Let me explain what I mean by that. When you're doing this fraud, number one, it's wrong because, at the very worst, it's illegal, and you can have all sorts of penalty and criminal action put against you, okay? so that's wrong at the very least by your craftiness it will destroy relationships that you have with others because you've been dishonest with them when you have those two things going against you that could be why you try to go from job to job to job to job to job because you oversold yourself in one job you get there and you can't really perform it or whatever you did and so now you keep going into work and you get out of work because the things you were doing were not always honest on your job and so that continues to give you a big circle of problems So what's the answer? A truthful person promises things honest in the sight of all things. They do it, they provide it, so we want to be truthful. All right. You've got a lot of verses there, so I'm going to just give you the last three without reading them. Look at all the addresses. There's three more ways to answer the question, how can I get more money? All that I've given you, those six are wrapped up in these last three over here. The first one is what I call diligent labor. It's working hard. My dad started with me when I was 12 years old. He called me into the shop. He's a painting contractor. He said, Stan, now that you're 12, I want you to know Mom and I are not going to buy clothes for you. We're not going to pay for any of your uh, recreational things you'd like to do. We will provide for you a place to stay, food on the table, at the house, We'll give you a little bit of money for school lunches and we'll take care of medical needs that you might have. But the rest of it is on you. Plus, you're going to have to buy your own car and you will have to put yourself to college. Now, it sounds like I had a very mean dad. I want you to know my dad was not a mean dad. He loved me, hugged me, spent time with me. Everywhere he went, I went with him and he affirmed me daily. But he did all of that. And so I had to get a job when I was 12 years old and I started washing windows and screens and saving money. I had so much work from that I hired my buddies and so two or three of us guys would get on our bikes with a big basket in the front with a bucket, top job, a sponge and a a scrub brush for the screens and a screwdriver to take them off the, uh, the windows. And we would do that. I don't want to go through everything that I did but it was through a lot of diligent labor. When I went to Bible college, we didn't have a lot of money so I started a business by just... Cool ceiling, the tops of mobile homes. I had so much work. I hired guys with me. Then I said, "Hey, how would you like to have the outside of it clean?" They said, "Sure." So we washed the outside. I thought, how would you m- m- mow? Oh, you will do that. I said, "How would you like to come in and clean those mobile homes for you?" These are older people; couldn't do it all. And they said, "Yes." Yeah. So I hired my wife. <laughs> so I cleaned inside where it was air conditioned, and she did the cool ceiling. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the point of the matter is you got to be. by the time we graduated our senior year we made enough money to rent a camper for two weeks and camp in the Smoky Mountains when I left college I didn't sell the business I gave it over to the next junior and senior students that were working for me and they still had that business it took a lot of work and a lot of not going to the beach not going to the movies not doing other things do I feel like I was cheated out of that sometimes I do and the reason I do that is because I don't play well you know, I, I, I had a great time over at the fellowship at the 4th of July thing, but it was hard for me to get there because I thought, oh, I've got to do ministry, you know? I just sit around playing tug tug rope, you know? Yeah, man, get a life, you know? I'm struggling with this, folks, and I've got one of the deacons that are uh, holding me accountable to help me through some of this stuff because I've been with such a work ethic that I have. When I drove home and we took uh, colleen jameson who's just back from china back we had to leave early and we wanted to and there's other issues i had i and I, i i need to get out of the sun but that being the case i said carol i had a blast i could do this again but diligent labor has to be balanced with also time to socialize the next one was creative resourcefulness you know how you get more money is to realize that there are many ways that you could make money. I don't mean necessarily multi-level marketing schemes. All right? I don't mean that you've got to go out and buy some franchise somewhere and put all your money into that as a creative way. Am I saying that that is wrong? No. Whether it's multi-level marketing or a franchise, I want you to remember that if you go into it thinking that you will get rich quick, and you're into it because of all the money and the cars and the prestige and the conferences you can go to and all the wonderful money that you can have because you see others that are doing that they prayed in front of you you'll never really succeed when you go into these things and you say to yourself I've got to work this like I do a 40 or 50 hour a week job and I focus on this and I'm doing it so that when I do this I can truly help others and I'm using this to further the kingdom of God and it is work it's not all about the carrot that they put in front of me then you've got what I call creative resources that resourcefulness is out there and let me tell you something this is so important God is creative we know that he is the creator he lives within us and we have an ability not to take something that's nothing to make something out of it like he did no but there's creative juices in all of you and me Carol can take junk on the side of the road and make it into something that's trash to treasures you want an example look at me All right, look what she did I can't do that. I can't look at an empty room and figure out what it looks like. I can't see stuff that she can take this junk and make something marketable out of this stuff. But what I can do is look at a broken business and help the guy learn how to manage it better. I can look at a tough passage of scripture and figure out how that we can turn that into a sermon that even a child could understand. I'm not great. I'm trying to tell you that it's creativeness that God's given us. Now, take that for those of you that are short of your funds, and to say, "God, I'm willing to work. Help me with the creative juices which you've given to me. How did you shape me? And I'm willing to do whatever it takes." Creative, so all the verses are there to show you that. And the last is, and I wanted to end with this one, is because it's called prayerfulness. Sometimes there really is, Lord, I do need more help financially. You know the passage I read to you in Philippians when he said, I've learned how to be wealthy in the hand of abundance and I've learned how to be poor, whatever, so I learned how to do all of this. The next verse says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know what that tells me? That tells me that um, in of himself, he couldn't do this apart from God. God can do this. And when I pray to him, my needs can be met. The last story I want to tell you about praying, and then we'll... Good night I'm looking at the clock I am so sorry would you give me a moment to tell this story or not if you can't I'm sorry would you come back I pray you do I made a wrong decision many years ago Uh, I hung with the wrong crowd that was verging on the name it and claim it crowd It was a Christian group of people that said, if you need to just trust God, go buy the car, God will take care of you, and when you have all of this, you'll look successful, and it'll help other people to see how great God is. And so somewhere in the midst of all of this thinking was a distortion of scripture and lies. But I bought it. So I bought a 1980 Mercury Cougar. Now, for you folks, you think, that's a bucket of bolts. Well, back then it was fancy schmancy. I bought it on time. I then was asked to speak on what God has to say about money. So I began to do my first research on all of this stuff. After three months of having this car, and we loved this car, air-conditioned, leather seats, special drive, all that. I realized that I went into debt to buy this car and I should not have done that. I'm not speaking that you can't buy a car in debt and all that. But for me, as I went through scripture, that was a lose-lose situation financially. If I'm going to invest in something, it needs to go up in value. Not go in debt when it's going to drop in value. So I came home and I told Carol, I said, Carol, I failed you as a husband. I failed the kids as a father. I plunged us into this debt. We're living by faith. I bought this car. We all like this car, but I shouldn't have bought it. She said, what do you think you ought to do about it? I said, I think I ought to give it back. See if I can get out of the contract. And she said, then what happens? I said, well, We walk. We, we trust God. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But i I, I got to do this. Now, this is the beauty of having a wife who does not trust her husband, but trusts God. And she said, Okay, Stan, we'll we'll see where this goes. We've been here before. Um, when we had a wreck and lost all of our cars, someone crashed into us. So we, I, we'll, we'll believe God. So I said, Okay. I went to church on Wednesday night. And I announced to the faith family at the church. And I said, Carol and I are praying for something, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to tell you how much it is. I'm not going to tell you if it's a health issue or what. I just want you, we're praying, but I want to tell you we're doing this now without telling you to show you that we can go to God without ever manipulating or priming the pump. God can take care of it. Okay, That was on Wednesday. Thursday, I got a call from a board member of Make It Clear who owned a big furniture store in San Antonio. He said, you know, I was in my prayer meeting at my church, and I just felt this prompting that I've got plenty of cars I had this old car I had in college that's sitting behind our our showroom would you like to have this car I said yeah so he said I'll come by and pick you up so on Friday I went by to pick up the car this car was an old Chevy, Chevy car headlight was smashed and the glass was hanging down the driver's seat was off its track so it was kind of sideways alright that door had to be uh, baling wire you know Tied clothes. I was so excited. We were given a car. I drove home. And the horn worked as I drove in the driveway and I was honking it. And, and, and Carol was excited because she knew as I was going to pick up this car. And when I pulled in, I mean, I said this. Shh, I said, honey, God has given you your car. And my wife said, Stan, uh, I didn't pray for that car. You prayed for that car. And uh, so I said, okay. Now, remember, I picked it up Friday. And we have this thing, and I can't even get it inspected. And I, what have I done, you know? So now I'm praying again, praying again, praying again, saying, Lord, the woman you gave me isn't grateful for this car. (laughs) Monday, I get a call from another one of our Make It Clear board members in Florida. And he said, I was sitting in church, and I had a prompting. That on Friday, I was given a car in my company. He worked for Mac Paper Company. And he says, now I have a company car. We don't need this car. Could you use another car? I can't get it to you, but can you use another car? I said, you won't believe. And I told him that story. He said, you're going to have to come out here to get it. I called a third board member who owned a used car lot in San Antonio, Huizar Motors. And I said, Paul... I've got a problem i got a car that I can't do anything with i got another car that I can do something with but I can't get through he said I'll take that bucket of bolts he took it he sold it then he handed me the cash for that and when he did he said this is all he got six, seven hundred dollars for that thing I think they towed it off to the steel plant and it gave us enough money for Carol and me in those days to fly to San Antonio had enough gas to drive back and for one motel stop on the way back and we had a nice beautiful car Since then, since 1981, would you look at me, we had 19 automobiles given to us without ever asking for one of them. Those of you that came early to church today, there is a van parked right over here where I'm pointing. That van has been there because someone else on this island called me and said, I don't need this van any longer. Would you like to have a van? And so there's a van parked out there that I'm going to give to the Hesses. So when they get here for five months, That is all an answer to prayer. Now I'm going to give you a caveat because you're going to go on this journey with me. I had my good friend, Arnold Lum, who's our resident auto mechanic certified. He looked at this thing and he said, you ought to get rid of that thing. (laughs) I have no idea what we're going to do yet with all of this paperwork. I want you to know that even when we make mistakes, even when we kind of goof up our finances, When we say, all right, Lord, I'm willing to trust you, watch this, by trusting your word that it's right, and we surrender to it, no matter the cost, no matter the momentary act of pain, things begin to change. We're not wealthy, and we're not healthy. But we're very satisfied in God. And I want to give that to you as the first of this. Now, some of you will never be back next week, because I went this long this week. Look at it this way at least there'll be one less message if I divided this in half today you have to listen to would you all bow your heads and close your eyes and I'm going to have the gentlemen for our our deacon team and ushers come on up now because we are going to do a quick communion here quick does not mean it's not meaningful in fact now it'll probably be more meaningful because our heart is now right with the Lord Ryan led us in wonderful worship about remembering it's really all about God it's not about money I wanted you to see that money is all a part of this it's a test for us It's the way things work. We get all of that. But it's also very dangerous as well as a blessing. So now what we do is we run all of our belief system about funding through the grid of Scripture and then we own what Scripture says and by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God we make decisions based on Scripture no matter what we have to begin to do over. We celebrate what we've done right whether we've learned it before or we got it right accidentally and then we make those changes. It can happen. And for those of you that understand this, I want you to know we're not after your money in this church because no good work you do, no amount of money you give, whether socially or religiously, will ever make God happy with you because He loves you. His grace is free. But it cost him the death of his only son son, to bestow that grace upon us. So he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to grace you by giving you eternal life. I'm going to mercy you by preventing you from going to hell. I'm going to give you inner peace now and then the peace to know that you have a right relationship with God the Father, he says. He says, you can have joy now because your sin is forgiven. Your guilt is now gone. You still have heaven not as a possibility. You have heaven as an absolute ironclad promise from God. And all of that that I just said, that God says He provides for us, comes to you when you come to Him just as you are. And say, Lord, I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do. But based on what you will do and did for me, I am trusting in you now to give to me eternal life. Jesus says, He that believes on me has right now everlasting life. The Lord speaking through the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul wrote this for us to know when he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a work. It's not money. It is a free gift of God, not of yourselves. So you can't boast about it. So if you want to have eternal life, then will you accept the free gift, the payment that Christ made for us on the cross by his death, the person and the work of Christ? And you do that by believing in Him. Not as a historical figure, although He did exist in history and He's alive today. But trusting in Him and His Word that He will forgive you of all sin. He is who He claimed to be. Now if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. So if today is the day you're trusting Christ, would you, uh, and you've never done it before, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. You're not going to come forward. We don't have time for that. We're not going to bother you. I'm just going to, pray generally for you but I want to know if today is the day that you're entering into that eternal relationship with God would you slip up your hand anyone at all All right, Christians now let's take a moment and as we're getting our hearts right with the Lord with this communion just simply say Lord thank you for what I've learned here today I want to commune with you because I want to know you I want to remember what you did for me on the cross I want you to know Lord that as I think about what you've done for me on the cross 2,000 years ago that it's it's real for me today. That grace then is the grace now, that's grace tomorrow. Thank you for that. Lord, I believe that you came then and you're coming again. So Lord, as I commune with you, I come with a dependent heart on you. Thank you, Lord. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come now with all of that to you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done. In your name.